0: what's going on getting magnetic fam it's finance friday our goal with this series is to build your financial literacy as we head into a recession so you can not only be prepared but you can thrive through this recession and beyond and the best thing we're going to put sophisticated topics into layman's terms so everyone can understand it you're going to learn everything about money they don't teach you in school so you can build your money mindset and skills and build that life for your dreams now let's get to the episode Pia Vida from Costa Rica. I'm here with Greg. We're live. Greg O'Brien, say what up. How's it going, Wade? It's been a great week here in Costa Rica. Yeah, Beautiful country. Beautiful. We're looking out at the ocean. There's green everywhere. We're almost in the jungle with a view of the ocean. It's amazing. We've been out here talking business, strategy, life, everything, experience. We went to a Cacao farm yesterday. How amazing was that? Absolutely amazing. Never knew the process of making chocolate. Yeah. It's quite fascinating. Actually. Very cool. Very cool. Some ecological farms. The day before, we saw how coffee was made. I didn't even know it came from a fruit, this like red berry with the bean inside and just the whole process. So amazing. And the, the coffee here is legit. Legit. But we wanted to come on talk Finance Friday today because I thought I'm with the man, the myth, the legend of himself. He's taught me a lot about tax about how to build wealth through certain things like certain assets like real estate and the tax benefits of all of it businesses all the things
1: and we've shared a lot of that stuff but today i know we want to talk about what the four four keys to real estate and then how we can start to think about using real estate uh for tax advantages yes
0: so we've all heard right like you know building wealth real estate is a key it's a hard asset it's tangible it's something physical it's not like bitcoin or crypto there's there's something there to it right and we hear of it, but then this is going to dive in and you know high level, but dive into kind of the those four benefits of real estate. So I'll let you take it from there. Like we we we've always talked and when we talk about investing, we're like, okay, let's let's buy
1: real estate because of these reasons. Like, mm-hmm. Let's dive into those. So these are the keys of real estate, and we didn't uh, these aren't necessarily the only four keys, but the four keys that we think about um, at our company. So uh, key number one is real estate appreciates, right? So if you look at the history all rental real estate over the past, say, 20 years, it's gone up about 7%. Mm -hmm. So there's ups ups and downs, there's lefts and rights, but on average, you can bank on over the long-term, at least 7% appreciation, right? So the value is appreciating, meaning your asset value is going up. That one's pretty simple. Key number two is the opposite. It's depreciation. So depreciation is a tricky subject and the government actually allows you to uh, recover the value of your property, your rental property over time through a cost recovery system known as depreciation. So on one hand, the value of the real estate is going up every year. It, it is on the market value, but for tax value, it's actually going down, right? So you're writing off your rental property over time. Now, this is where it gets a little bit more complex. A rental property could be written over written off either over 39 years for a commercial or a short-term rental. 27 and a half years for traditional residential rental. Then all of the component parts have different lives to them, which we'll get into in a moment. So So you can depreciate residential or investment? Residential rental. Yes. Oh, rental. Not not your personal residence. So it has to be an investment property. It has to be an investment property. Yeah. So you're going up on one hand, but the value is going down and you're writing that value off against the rental income you're bringing in.
0: So let's use numbers. Let's say you buy an an investment property for $100,000. It's on average, if you own it, it's going to appreciate by seven percent. So the next year it'll be worth one hundred seven thousand, and then you know whatever that is after that, one hundred fourteen something thousand, mm-hmm. et cetera. And it compounds obviously. Now we know it's going to go up and down. For example, I believe probably within the next year, real estate is going to go down. But ten years from now, the property I buy today is going to be up almost guaranteed, unless something crazy happens. We're talking averages. So then let's say it's a hundred thousand. I can depreciate that you can against depreciate my that,
1: earnings or what? Against your rental earnings. So for example, that's about, call it, make it math easy, about $4,000 per year of what we call a paper deduction, right? So you're not losing $4,000, but you're taking $4,000 that the government's allowing you to take and you're writing that off against the rental income. So, so for let's say example, I was renting it for 1,000. If you're renting it for 1,000 a month, that, that would give you $12,000 of, of cash flow, right? So then immediately you're taking depreciation. So you're reducing that property income by that 4,000, but you didn't actually spend the 4,000, right? right? So that's that's the magic of depreciation. Now there's the tricks to the trade we get into of how do you maximize and accelerate that? But at its baseline, that's how it works. Uh, you're writing off that value. So key number two is you are depreciating the real estate. And that's a non-cash transaction, right? right. Where
0: like you are depreciating your house and writing it off against rental income or, you know, against basically taxes owed. And there's different varying levels of how much you can accelerate and whatnot. And obviously, yeah, that's where you get into the weeds. You get into the details with, you know, a good CPA, but that's the high level. Your house is going to appreciate over
1: time your, your property and you can depreciate it against your tax basis. Okay. Okay. Now key number three is your mortgage paydown. So we always uh, tell our clients, even if the property doesn't even cash flow, it's break-even property. You're actually not buying the asset, right? Because if you have at least just your mortgage covered by your tenant, the tenant is actually buying an asset for you. So, for example, you put 10% down on a rental property, and you're and your say your mortgage payment's 2,000 a month, uh, and then say operating costs are another 250, so you have 2250 month in costs. So long as your cash flow coming in the door is at least that twenty two fifty, that's the worst case scenario. And someone else actually paying down your mortgage, someone's buying this asset for you. So, key number three is you need to view it as someone else is actually buying the more buying the property for you. Your mortgage pay down that the tenant is paying for. Now that include that means you need to have the uh, the property uh, leased and leased timely, and uh, you're going to keep your turnover to a minimum. But even if you don't have cash flow, you still have a great opportunity to buy an asset uh, using someone else's money, OPM. Yes, that is that is key. Like owning a property, owning an asset
0: that someone else pays for. And obviously upfront, like in a standard scenario, you're paying 20% upfront. Now, actually, I want to go back to the depreciation too real quick. And like, say I buy a $100,000 home, I have to put 20% down. So 20,000, there's of course some closing costs. Let's say it's 25,000 all in. I get to depreciate based off the full value of the home, right? The 100000 mm-hmm. And I know there's more idiosyncrasies to that, but I only put 20000 in. I own a $100,000 asset now because I've leveraged through a bank, aka gotten
1: debt. And I get to write, use the 100000 the value of the property. That's correct. So even if you put somehow, imagine put $0 down on the property, you do get to depreciate and write off the full value of the property over the given time period. So- that is the beauty of leverage. Um, if you can put 2% down, you still have the ability to write off the full value, uh, purchase price value there. So that's a great
0: point, Wade. I love that. And then as far as someone else paying your mortgage, think about that. Like I like using the example with with uh, Cam. So I have a goal of buying Cam a house, like let's say a $100,000 home, a rental property. And even if it breaks even, let's say, and let's say I do put 20% down. I put 20% down, I buy Cam a home, I want to get a 15-year mortgage on it. You can typically, typical mortgage is a 30, but a 15-year mortgage and I have someone else paying it. I have a renter in there and let's say it breaks even, Um, which this day and age, you know, a 15-year mortgage, the high interest rates, like you never know. You got to find that, find that deal, find that stuff out. But let's just say it breaks even. I believe I could go do that. Someone else will be living in the home, paying down the mortgage for the next 15 years now in a perfect world someone's there every day for 15 years in the non-perfect world we live in of course i would go through a few tenants there might be some months it's vacant but overall 15 years from now cam's going to be just about 16 years old and she will own outright a property let's i would put it in a trust and there's other stuff there you got to have a good lawyer good cpa do all those things but let's say a trust would own it in Cam's name and she now owns a property. And like my view and vision and goal with that is like she has this property outright that's been appreciating on average 7% per year. Someone else has been paying it off. And 15 years from now, it's completely paid off. This trust in Cam's name owns this asset. And then she can use that when she's 18 to go to college or start a business or buy her first home or start investing or keep it and let it ride and keep appreciating or whatever she wants to do with it. And obviously I'll probably be a custodian or I will have some level of guidance or control over it because at 18, I don't think someone should just get a quarter million dollars, which is probably what it would be worth by then. But that is where that is the beauty coming back to someone else is paying off your asset. When you own your home, you're paying your mortgage. And it's great. You get to live in it. But a lot of people, I know Grant Cardone, I know Robert Kiyosaki. They don't think your residential home is, is a, investment. It can be, especially lately with, in you know, properties have been skyrocketing and people selling right now, you will get gains. Um, but over time, like buying your house and paying it off isn't necessarily an investment. It, it can benefit you. But when someone else is paying your mortgage, like someone else is paying down your asset, which
1: is really cool. Okay. A long well, story longer. That brings us to key number four, And key number four is that your cash flow is going to most likely be tax-free. If you have a good team behind you, you're not going to, at the very minimum, you're not going to pay much of any tax on your rental property. So again, another example, you have a rental property, um, you bring in $10,000 per year in rents, you have that same 4,000 depreciation, that leaves $6,000 left over. You then also get to deduct the interest on your debt. So again, with leverage, even if you're paying in, in this market environment, a slightly higher uh, interest rate—you do need to look at that as after tax, right? Because you need to realize you're getting deduction on that interest you're paying on the mortgage. Then you have normal business expenses. So if you can, if you can qualify and know that your property rises to the level of what's called a trader business, you then can deduct any normal operating expenses, whether it's at the property or it's uh, different things you're doing around the property and the management of the property. So at the end of the day, that remaining $6,000 of taxable income is likely going to get wiped out to zero. Now, that's your kind of worst case scenario, right? And it's a pretty good worst case scenario is that with a good team and a good structuring behind you, you're probably going to, pay, you're probably going to cash flow that $6,000 tax-free, right? And remember, the, the $4,000 of depreciation is just a paper expense. You didn't lose that money. So money in your bank at the end of the day, should come and there should be very little tax consequence to that done correctly. However, the magic of rental real estate really comes in when you can figure out how to use these, um, these expenses and these non cash expenses to create what we call paper losses. Now, a paper loss could be um, simply you have excess depreciation, generally on a more expensive property, but excess depreciation over all of your income and expenses, meaning you've gone negative. Now, the very, very best in real estate know how to qualify their losses is what we call non-passive losses. A non-passive loss, it's extremely difficult to get there, but if you get there, that non-passive loss can then offset things like business income, say maybe it's S-Corp or LLC, partnership can offset that income. In in some cases, it can also offset W-2 income. Now, they made the rules very difficult so that not everyone can do this, but if you are able to qualify in what we say convert what's called passive income, regular rental income is considered what's called passive income. If you know how to convert that passive income to non-passive income, therefore creating a non-passive loss, that's where the magic of the tax code opens up because now you can use, buy real estate, accelerate depreciation through techniques we call cost segregation, accelerate depreciation, and bonus depreciation use those paper losses, right? It's not a real loss, it's a paper loss to offset other active non-passive income in your life. Getting there is not the easiest thing. Is it possible? Absolutely. We have multiple clients that are able to do this, whether it's long-term rentals uh, and they have enough qualifying activity or their spouse does, or short-term rentals have a unique opportunity in today's tax code um, to be able to, to pull these strategies off. So the last one is really key, right? At the very worst case, you do a pretty good job. You're going to get money into your bank account, likely tax-free. You may be able to create a loss. That loss may or may not be usable in the current year. If you can can make it usable through these different techniques, those losses could help offset income. And as I said, it's not easy to do that, but it is possible. It takes work to get there. Now, people ask us, what happens if I can't use my loss? Well, if you can't use your loss, there's still strategies, right? your loss becomes carried forward to the next year to offset future income, rental income, that is. Um, and there's ways to utilize it faster, right? We, we, we call things PALs, PALs, passive activity losses, and then we call things PIGs, passive uh, income generators. If we have too many PALs, we need PIGs to offset the PALs. So we use these different acronyms, but you see there's there's multiple layers to this, right? This is just the very high-level overview of, of uh, real estate planning when it comes to taxes. But I think the key here is to, for people to realize if you put enough work into it, you put enough effort into it, you can start using other people's money to leverage an asset, create losses that when you, that you don't really lose money from, use those losses to offset earned income in your life structured properly. So I know that's a lot there and that's just a high level overview, but Mm -hmm. I think that's a big takeaway for people. Uh, A good example, we had a client this year. That their uh, AGI, you call it your adjusted uh, gross income, um, they ended up, you know, they they do real estate, they own several businesses. At the end of the day, he grossed, uh, you know, close to two million dollars after all the real estate things we were able to do and different business planning. His actual tax bill that he paid is his line that says tax on his tax return was a whopping zero dollars. Right, there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing too crazy about that. It's more about the planning that we put in place, timing of things and under him understanding and us understanding the investments that needed to be made in order to make sure that all that business income, real estate income was tax-free to him. So which yeah. on a normal course,
0: let's say you're a CEO of a company and your salary and your income is two million dollars, you're probably paying what forty percent ish. All in depending on what your state is. Yeah. yeah. So you you're probably netting one point two million on that versus this guy through real estate, through owning his own businesses, through certain tax plays, netted two million out of his two million, not one point two million out of his two million because and that's a whole other topic. He owns businesses, he may employ people, he owns real estate, he houses people, he uses the tax
1: code to his advantage. And what we usually say about that too is if you are able to use real estate and even if you offset $10,000 of tax using real estate the right way, take that $10,000 and immediately put it back and reinvest it, right? Because if you reinvest that and it grows at 7%, think about the power of that after 10 years, after 20 years, that's money that otherwise would have gone to the government, but you utilize the tax code appropriately follow the incentive system, the, the, the roadmap to wealth, as we call it, the 77,000 page tax code. And you took that money and reinvested it and grows elsewhere. Do that every single year, you're going to be in a pretty good place. Yeah. So
0: putting this all in crayon, there's, there's many benefits to owning an asset like real estate. The four are appreciation. Over time, when it's a long-term thing, not necessarily in the short term, you could buy a property today and it will most likely be worth less money a year from today. Most likely, I would assume. It depends on where. But over time, it's going to be worth more. It's going to appreciate. Your asset's going to grow. You get to use what's called depreciation, which is, again, not... It it can be used to to offset gains or it can be losses, paper losses, where it's not losses where your negative money in your account, it's writing off a portion of the property. Let me just
1: jump in on depreciation. There's there are so many layers to depreciation. And, and I think the big thing for people to realize is that when you do get to a good place with the real estate, that's when you need to think about time, value, money. Then we start talking about version two is how do we now accelerate depreciation, right? If they're saying, hey, wait, you can write this off over 27 and a half years. Then we say, okay, how can we make that schedule shorter? How can we push 27 mm-hmm. down to three, five, seven, 15 years, right? Yeah. That's top that's a that's kind of a master class version. Yeah, but that's strategies. what that's what you get to next. And so th- there's so many good strategies, and this is all great stuff.
0: So appreciation, your your assets going to grow. Depreciation, you can write off a portion, whether you're accelerating it into shorter or taking the 27 and a half years. Third, you have someone else paying down your asset, paying off your asset. Fourth is cash flow and the ability to get most likely tax-free cash flow. Or even off have paper losses and go against some of your your taxable income, but also like let's just put it in perspective. If you put a thousand, you know, if you put money in the stock market and you have gains, you will be paying cap. Just generally speaking, you'll be paying gain capital gains taxes on that, right? So the stock market, you'll, you'll pay taxes. In real estate, there's a lot of ways to kind of offset your gains or your cash flow to where you should be making cash free tax flow, cash. tax-free cash flow. flow. And that's where, like Greg said, you start to use compounding and compounding interest where you take gains and you roll it into other investments
1: that keep gaining. And just real quick there, at that point there, where you mentioned the stock market, we sometimes say to people as well, if you're comparing, say, um, the return on a rental investment versus the stock market, realize that the closest equivalent to cash flow in real estate in the stock market is is like a dividend, right? So if Apple issues you a dividend, You don't get to write off your expenses against that though, right? So in real estate, your dividend is the cash flow, And again, if you had that $10,000 of rental income, you're allowed to deduct all ordinary and necessary business expenses against that 10,000, therefore creating a tax-free atmosphere versus if you get that same $10,000 as a dividend of Apple stock, you have no right to deduct anything um, against that because it's considered portfolio income. So again, that's just another benefit there. And I'm not saying that, the real estate actually better than a stock market, right? It's all individual investment preferences, but understanding the the tricks and the keys to real estate is is very important in today's atmosphere. And conceptually, it makes sense. I can go on right now on my phone on my
0: Robinhood app and buy app buy Apple stock right now. It's very easy. There's very low barrier to entry. There's not going to be as much benefit on the other end. Going to buy a real estate if we want to buy an Airbnb in Costa Rica, there's a lot more hurdles there. It's 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 tougher. And hence there's, you know, different levels, but long story short, if you're anything like me, I'm like, okay, this all sounds great, but I'm not going to go read the 77,000 page tax code. I don't, I hear all of this, but I don't know how to apply it into my business or life. I could find a way to go buy a property, but then what, who do you help? Like So basically what I've learned is you need a CPA to understand who understands all of this stuff. And to help even guide you in a sense or tax plan for you or proactively be like, oh, this is the life you want. Here are things and strategies we need to do. Maybe go start looking for a short-term rental. Who do you help? Because I know you and your firm are specialized.
1: Like what type of person is that who's listening? Yes, yeah, so we work with a few different groups. Group number one is going to be digitally digital entrepreneurs that are you know own businesses that are doing high six figures or seven figure uh, in revenue second group is going to be real estate investors. Now, typically the real estate investor, uh, they're going to either be a full-time real estate investor, or if they have a a business or a job, they have several uh, real estate investments, right? Because you can get started with one, but the tax planning is not too, too complex there. It's more about the accumulation. So those that are accumulating and looking to continue accumulating real estate assets, we work with that group um, as well. Uh, And then we also work with a a third group, which is um, Higher net worth entrepreneurs who've exited businesses and are kind of uh, starting new startups as well. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what we, we generally say is that you know, there's a couple of ways um, you know to get started, in, at least in your journey about understanding. Hey, how do I structure the real estate? How do I LLC trust? What do I do? A couple options there. Um, you know, first we do offer a uh, course for a fraction of the cost. You're going to get probably uh, hopefully as good as value as you're going to pay in a consultation for somebody else, uh, and that's a DIY course and go at your own pace, but it's very in-depth and it really teaches you, Hey, if you want to do this yourself and learn about a lot of the tricks of real estate business structuring there. And then second, again, for those um, um, other groups that are uh, more in our uh, wheelhouse, uh, we do uh, set up consultations to figure out if we're the right uh, team to work with virtual team, about 25 uh, throughout the U S
0: and don't you have like a
1: form or something where
0: someone could take the quiz or form and be like, oh, I'm a fit right now. Or, hey, I might be a better fit here until I get to this level. Yeah,
1: that's a great point. We'll put that that link in the show notes as well. Yeah, we'll
0: put that in the show notes and we'll put, uh, I'll add the course to the course link in the show notes in your website. But hey, Greg, thank you for coming on, adding value and getting Magnetic Finance Friday. Appreciate you always. Absolutely. And uh, where where do where's the best place for people to connect? We'll
1: drop the links in the show notes. Yeah, best best place, link in the shout outs okay. on Instagram um or uh go taxplanning.com, Gotaxplanning.com. Awesome. All right, Pieravita. Vida. Piera vita.
0: Only those that can see the invisible can do the impossible. So remember, you are magnetic.